Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back to episode four of Concerto. And if you are Adam Cole's face, you definitely caught a thing of Concerto. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> I didn't expect to see that. It felt like it was a time filler for a second there. And then he just got destroyed. <laughs> yep, uh, dude. Who, who I love Christian's face when he brought up the two chairs and was like, you know what this means. It's time for a Concerto in Kansas City. Kansas City got a treat there, and I'd say that uh, both of the uh, Missouri cities got pretty good treats from AEW this week. Yeah, I, I was at the St. Louis show. That's why we didn't record on Friday. Um, so it was a treat to see Adam Cole in the ring. I'm going to just touch on that now. Seeing Danielson in the ring was an absolute treat, even though I've seen him perform in the ring before, but he was with WWE at the time. But just seeing Adam Cole compete and seeing CM Punk in person, the first time i ever seen him in person, was just amazing. Yeah, it looked like an amazing atmosphere. Were you there for when Tony Khan came out? I was. So um, the doors opened at, in St. Louis at set, at 6, and then the show started at 7. So we had two hours of pre-show, which was all AW dark. So I got to see basically everybody except for Punk wrestle. Like everybody on the roster except for Punk wrestled. Like literally. Okay. Yeah. I mean, hey, I, I I really didn't think we'd see as much of him on TV as we have in terms of even wrestling, to be honest. Like, we've seen him on TV against Matt Seidel before, so I was kind of – I was happy that he's going on the weekly tour now. Yeah, me too. I was – I'm not going to lie. I thought he was going to wrestle at first, and I was kind of a little bit let down when he came out in street clothes, but still seeing Punk talk on the mic, it was just, it was just a treat. And then during the commercial break, it was funny because he was just talking to the crowd and then he said, play my music. And he's like, what did it make the people in the back home think I was walking around in a circle for a minute and a half? Yeah, that didn't come across on TV. I thought that was funny just from the get go of he's already cracking jokes with the uh, oncoming Eddie Kingston promo, which is always not a laugh, but it sure is entertaining. Yep. But we will touch on that a little bit later in the show. But first, we got to talk about... Um, what happened this past uh, this past SmackDown, Rampage, and Dynamite? Yeah, we and, do. We, we, we're going to be going back kind of to, uh, are we going to the October uh, 29th shows? I believe we are, yeah. So we're going to uh, the November 3rd edition of Dynamite and uh, the October 29th edition of SmackDown and Rampage. All right. Let's start I, I, off with SmackDown. Let's just let's just rip the Band-Aid off easy because we it's SmackDown. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> it's just ah uh, I I didn't even watch SmackDown like because I was like I was like I don't know even know if I want to watch SmackDown. I mean, heck, even the title of the recap article that I'm looking at now, the recap article I'm looking at now is called Yikes. Like literally says SmackDown recap for 1029. Yikes. That's what we call a bad show. Yeah, that, that is what we call SmackDown, unfortunately. Because quite frankly, let's get it out of the way. There was no Roman Reigns, so the draw of the show wasn't on. Yep. Brock suspended. Brock is suspended, so there's no Brock Lesnar beating up Adam Pierce again this week. Uh, you know what? Let's just have a segment where Brock just beats up Adam Pierce. I feel like that would draw so many ratings if he just beat up Adam Pierce every week. I mean, you could do that every week. Heck, you could even throw in Michael Cole every once in a while. That's yeah. always entertaining. Oh, that would um, be great. 
Instead, we suspend Brock Lesnar, who is once again has momentum. The fans are behind him as a babyface, and you throw him on the sidelines again, which is kind of my way of thinking is Brock doesn't want to work, so we found a way to make it where he doesn't have to work. Yep. That's kind of how Brock goes. That is how Brock goes. But um, anyways, the show started out with Charlotte with like what an open challenge and like at all the people you would expect to challenge Charlotte. It wasn't Nikki Ash. It wasn't Sasha Banks. It was Shotzi Blackheart. Well, hold, hold, hold your horses. We only call her Shotzi now. Shot, oh, yeah. Right. You're Shotzi. Does we she still call her the tank? Um, We'll get to that, I think, in the <laughs> next one. But she did come out with the tank, and um, she also got beat by Charlotte. Shocker, I know. Yeah, it's shocker. Summer. I was also in the cornet on this match and said they had they worked a solid match, and I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, someone with Charlotte's caliber feel like she can get a good match at anybody, and Shotzi Blackheart herself is not a bad worker. Well, I, I'd say that if you can't get a good match with Charlotte, you probably end up released. We'll get to that later. Oh, yeah, um, we're definitely going to talk about that. <laughs> but it gets, it gets weird. It was, of course, Sasha had a little part to play in it as well because that feud with Charlotte is ongoing, we thought. And then Shotzi just hits her from behind because she gets distracted and she Shotzi just gets mad. Yep. She turns heel on Sasha Banks. Now I was not expecting Shotzi to turn heel at the end of the day. So, like, is Sasha a baby face now after being, like... It was weird with Sasha because she came back, was best friends with Bianca for, like, one match and then beat her up, then was a heel. And then she a face now because she got beat up? Like... I guess so because she's against. She is trying to help Shotzi and Charlotte, which of course makes you a face. Um, but Shotzi turns heel, and I I don't quite understand what they're doing with anyone involved in this except Charlotte, which is yeah. trying to keep her happy because obviously she's been very unhappy for a while. So give her the win. So that made sense. I don't think you need to make it a janky finish. Yeah, that's. It was just weird. It was just a weird show. Um, I mean, outside of that opening match, there was nothing really else interesting on the card. Maybe maybe outside of the Heyman promo, when he was talking to Kayla Braxton, you still really don't know what side he's on because he was kind of hyping up Brock there, but caught himself. And yeah, I'm loving the stuff they're doing with Heyman. But at some point, they're going to need a blow-off for it, and they're going to need a good blow-off for it. But it's WWE. Do I trust them to make a good blow-off for it? No, I don't. I don't either, and it really is a question of what is your payoff. Is someone going to beat Paul Heyman up? Is he going to be taking bumps? I don't understand if if you're going to go that route because Paul Heyman is not a guy who historically takes bumps. Yeah. Um, Also, before this, Adam Pearce and Brock Lesnar $1 million which is hilarious because I don't think, I don't think if they took that to an arbitrator, it would stand to be honest with you. Yeah. And the funny thing is, um, you know, when they find their wrestlers, they got to make it more believable. Like 1 million, not like that's not believable. Like the NFL, when they find players, it's not a million dollars. Yeah. Like make it reasonable to make it sound realistic. That just doesn't sound realistic. Uh, listen, it'd be hilarious if you could find people based on how much they got paid in their contract, but that's apparent. That's not how that works. Yeah. That's not how that works at all. 
Brock Lesnar may get paid more than everybody, but you can't just take $1 million from him without litigation. That Come is very on. true. Very true. And if, yeah, Brock, Brock definitely makes more than like a million dollars with his contract right now. He's still, I'm sure he's still, he's a, he lives on a farm. He's still living off his yeah. UFC paydays. He's fine. Oh, yeah. Dude's probably More still living on the Jimmy John sponsors. Oh, yeah. He still gets to wear his shorts every time. You know, some people don't get to wear those shorts, even if the opportunity's there. Yep. <laughs> um, I believe after that promo was McIntyre taking on Mustafa Ali. Um, nothing interesting, I guess. It was just right. Fine sprint match. And, like, can we get over, like, the whole wrestling stereotype with, like, saying, like, oh, uh, can we just stop with the race war and the wrestling? Like, do, do they really need to go that far to get heat on him? They really don't need to do anything. Like, they, they, he literally told the crowd, he said, they boo him because WWE is pretty racist. And because he's Middle Eastern. And so the crowd follows that. You know, when they did this 16 years ago with Muhammad Hassan, it was still cheap heat back then, but at least yeah. he had a point. He had a point at the time. We were 16 years later, and sure, it hasn't really... We're not going to get political here, but I mean, this is a cheap way to go about it. But It, it is. Funny. It's such a cheap... How he just goes, he's because WWE's racist. Like, I mean, really... Yeah, like it's go the hard way. I mean, just go after Vince. <laughs> yeah, dude, if you want to go like if you want to go like just a better way to draw heat, have Vince McMahon come out there on like Friday, like the night the night Vince welcome back fans. If you really want his Mustafa Ali to get heat, Vince is like, you know, be like, where have you been? Like, that's what he said to the fans. And then he and then Mustafa comes by and just start beating him up with a chair. That'd be fun. I think that I think quite frankly, I think every wrestler on the uh, roster should hit. Vince with a chair sometimes. I think yeah. this was missing from the company. And I think, again, when we get later in the show, you'll understand why I just feel like everyone should take a shot at him with a chair. Yes, you will. And same thing with Kevin Dunn and Nick Khan, especially Nick Khan. Yes. Nick Khan doesn't yes. know wrestling if it punched him in the face. It's like they hired a guy with the last name Khan because they thought he was as smart as Tony Khan. Yep. And then there was a trick or treat street fight it's there was around a halloween episode so it was like everybody and your mother it's like halloween gimmick hokey stuff this is not wrestling this is boring and it's for kids i this was i like this feud because it's the perfect amount of silly to where it's i can enjoy it because of happy corbin and madcap moss they don't try to make jokes to make you laugh they're real heels they only make themselves laugh and that's what i appreciate yeah, that's what I appreciate too. But um, that that was that match. Like, uh, who came out with the winner there? Uh, was Happy Corbin and Mad Cat. Oh no, it wasn't. Oh yeah, it was Happy Cap. Uh, ha- uh, Happy Corbin and I was about to say Happy Cap. <laughs> Happy Corbin. Just call him <laughs> Baron Corbin already. I'm so sick of his name changes. <laughs> To be like the happy Corbin, it is actually infectious when he comes out because if you're not like kid, you're if you're a kid, you hate these guys, of course. But if you're just kind of watching as a mutual observer, you're just kind of going, "This is this is actually gold." Yeah, this is gold because no one in the right mind is going to start cheering these guys because they're too cool to be heels. Yeah, and I feel like they're right on that like cuffs of they can get something over if they want to 
but they're not going to do it because ultimately what's going to take away from the main event storylines. But it, they just kind of remind me of the, the fashion files when they were heels and people yes. were cheering for them when they got a mop over. Oh, that was that was gold. That was gold. This is going to take a long time to ever match something like that. You, It's hard to get a mop over. Perry Saturn tried. Dude. But these guys, they're doing a great job with what they've been given, and I feel like more credit should be given to them. But most of all, please don't insult my intelligence and can booze on these guys. No, yeah. I, I mean this. No one cares about Mad Cat Moss enough to boo him for only two seconds. Exactly. They would sustain the booze or they wouldn't boo at all. <laughs> yep. Like, I, I don't even care who Mad Cat Moss is. Like, I didn't even know who he was. Like, I, I'm like, who the heck is Mad Cat Moss when I watched him the first time on my screen? I was like, who are you? And I don't care about you. He's, he's got a great bad joke book from the 1950s he must be getting his material from because it's, it, it's great. Yeah. He's got he's got something there, and he needs to keep that up. Just some bad jokes over and over again. Very bad jokes. Um, next on the card was Shayna Baszler beating up Naomi for like it feels like the millionth time already. Yeah, like, Sonya was the ref this time, though, so I guess that Sonya makes was it. the ref. <laughs> so that I guess that makes a difference. Nothing, yeah. nothing crazy there. I don't really care for the storyline. I'm sorry, Sonya Deville. She's a great in ring worker. But she cannot be the boss bad guy. She it just doesn't work for me. She doesn't have that hateable. I don't face. understand how she got. How did she get in this position? Is my question. How did how she become did she? this uh, executive after being a wrestler? I don't understand how that happened. I have no. Clue. I guess nobody named her the position. I guess maybe Adam Pierce did. So good. I guess that makes sense. Dude, Adam, I don't know why he would do something that foolish. Same thing with Adam Pierce. I remember I just turned on just, Raw in the summer and like, who the heck is this Shawn Michaels looking guy? He just showed up and was apparently an authority figure. I was like, he's a road agent. And then suddenly he was a road agent with authority. And now he's the authority of the yeah. show. I don't understand the basis of the backstage promotions, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Usually I understand who's in charge. The thing is with Sonya though, she doesn't have that hateable look face to me. Like, there were general managers like Vicky Guerra, who you absolutely despise because she just had that hateable face. She, she was arrogant. It was also the grating, it was the grating voice, too. Yes, the when grating you heard voice. Her screaming, excuse me. It it's really scary. got to you. Oh, oh, my gosh. Like, it still gets to me in AEW when she starts screaming in Orange Cassidy's face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, she... she she, for someone who was not really involved in the wrestling world, she took to it like it was just easy to her to become a yeah. heel, which I guess Eddie Musk gave some good advice before. Yeah, because he she was the best heel in the company for a long time. There. He was. And the funny thing is, if she wanted if, the, if she wanted the fans to turn on her and cheer her, all she had to do was say, say oh, you know, Eddie Guerrero, lie, cheat and steal. And they start cheering for her. They, they, uh, the fans are very easy to sway. Yeah. Unfortunately, they are very easy to get on your uh, support. Yes. As some of these uh, wrestlers have found. <laughs> yes, very much. Um, definitely Cody is learning how the fans don't like. <laughs> I, I think there's a, there's a thing with AEW where I just give them the benefit of the doubt whether I, they've earned it. 
Yes. But I'm not sure if I should give it to them all the time, but I've yeah. given it to them this time. They're going to get this right because they've already done it right when uh, Malachi Black said this was never about winning a match. Everybody yeah. hates you now. I have already won. Exactly. And then um, the end of the show, I believe it was the New Day taking on the Usos. And we, how many matches have we seen the New Day take on the Usos? Like, let's uh, be real. It feels like the fifth hundredth million time in the last five years. This is what happens when you have the same guys around for a decade now, over a decade, and they face each other over and over. These two teams have not broken up because you can't break up the Usos. That'd yeah. be hilarious if you tried to. And like, there's and no New breakout doesn't star. Want to. There's no breakout no. star between the Usos. And of Cody and Kofi, Kofi already got his chance and Biggie's getting his chance right now. So, yeah. So they've, it, it really is, it's a good match every time, sure, but it's a stale match. And I can't watch a good match every week, the same guys, because it's like, I want to see something different. Yeah. I, I believe the show was on FS1. So it just felt like, you know, they were like, screw it. There's a punt. They punted. Yeah. They were like, screw it. We're on FS1. Do we have a script ring tonight? What do you mean? No. Okay. We'll start tomorrow morning. Wait, tomorrow's Friday. Okay. We'll still start like tomorrow morning, like 1030. It feels like they wrote the script for the show at Friday morning at 1030 AM. I in that case, let's remember who runs this show that if they even wrote it in the morning, it was a waste of time because Vince tore it up and rewrote it 30 minutes yeah. before the show started. That's probably, that's probably right. And Vince was like, it was probably worse before Vince rewrote it. <laughs> I mean, that's the scary part of th- these guys are not wrestling writers. They're not. These, they are they're not. Entertain- they're entertainment writers, sure. But they, they don't, don't know, wrestling. know what a wrestling audience wants. And a lot of this wasn't what they wanted. I mean, come on. Drew McIntyre, they've been lazy with him. Open challenge. We've seen open challenges so yes. many times now. It's not special like when John Cena did it. Yeah, well, one, he doesn't have a mid-card belt to elevate, and there's not a lot of young talent he can elevate. It would be different if he was, like, the Intercontinental title champion, and you saw Braun Breaker come out there. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants to see Braun Breaker, mostly because (laughs) he reminds everyone of his uh, uncle and his dad. Can we just call him Rex Steiner? Can we just stop calling him Braun Breaker? Braun Breaker reminds me of Braun Strowman, who was released a couple months ago. So I don't know why we're doing Braun again. Every time I hear Braun Breaker, I think of LeBron James and, oh, crap, you just said his name, Braun Strowman, breaking something. I, like You want to th- you want to talk about that kind of Braun Breaker, I'll point you at Andre Iguodala. Andre oh, Iguodala. <laughs> oh, goodness. But, yeah, SmackDown was a crap show. It was just, that's what it was. But, um... It was a lazy, it was a Halloween show. I feel like their their goal was to put the viewers to sleep so they would fall asleep and they wouldn't wake up in time for Rampage. It's a you know what? That might be a legitimate strategy. I'm not gonna lie to you. That I don't <laughs> think I could wake up in time. I'm not I don't have an alarm set for it. Yeah, so if they get me to sleep during that two hours of SmackDown. I might be out for Rampage. <laughs> hey, maybe Vince was like. You know what? NXT couldn't beat Dynamite. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to put our audience to sleep. 
And that's and what he did. a little dose of poison back into his company. It's just called bad writing now. <laughs> yep. Uh, but Rampage, let's get to the real wrestling show. Come on. Um, the world, it was the world title eliminator tournament. Daniel Bryan took on Eddie Kingston. And holy cow, what a way to open up that show to the Boston crowd who was hot for it. I mean, come on. Did you just look at this map? Danielson versus Eddie Kingston, and you're going to tell me that people watch SmackDown thought maybe that was better? You're wrong. You're wrong from the first match of the show. This was amazing. Yes. Like, like just Kingston's style of this strong style brawler mentality, it meshes well with Danielson because Danielson can get a good match. Danielson can get a good match out of a fork and a paperclip in a tag match. If a fork and a paperclip were in a tag match against Danielson, he would get a great match out of him. Danielson so that he could do that, and Jim Cornette would watch it and say that was a darn good wrestling at all. Yeah, like like literally, Dave Meltzer would see Daniel Dan, Brian Danielson wrestle a pay, a paperclip and a fork and rate it, rate it six stars. It put it in the Tokyo Dome at seven stars. That's how good Brian Danielson is. This isn't like every wrestling uh, journalist and historian loves Brian Danielson because he's no, he's that good is why we're saying yes. this. He and is I, that good at what he does. I, I love how he keeps winning each match with like different submissions too. It's not just the running knee or the label lock. It's just there's cattle mutilation. There's a sleeper hold. Like he's winning it in different ways and, and it just fits that technician style of his. He's the only thing I could compare it to is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt in the UFC. Yeah. Once he's on the ground, you are in for a bad time because he's looking for a way to get the win immediately. Yeah. Like, and the promo after um, where CM Punk was interrupted by Eddie Kingston, you're like, oh, yeah, this is going to escalate into something. This is the money. This is the money. Uh, first money feud of CM Punk in AEW. And I am excited to touch on that promo from this past rampage before we get into further in the show. Yes. This, oh my gosh. The chains are starting to come off of CM Punk in terms of we want to get him in stories. Now. Yes. And it's about time. People are wondering where they go. I'm glad they eased them in. I was kind of thinking it was going a little long, but yeah. now perfect timing, of course, because this company knows what they're doing. Yep. Here's he, Eddie Kingston. The guy right. kind of basically the best in the company on promos are in a CM Punk. Yeah. And it was great too, because like you said, it was probably the best time now because they're building for full gear. Like it makes me more excited to watch full gear, even though it has such a short build for it. That's the one complaint I have is a short build, but that's what they do is they make you want more of this. Yes. And that's not a bad thing. And the one thing I like about it is Danielson and Omega have not feuded once no, they fielded once, and it was a promo after their match where it went to a time on the draw, and nothing else has happened between them. Like, you know you're going to get it later, but it's not being forced down my throat to watch it over and over and over. Yeah, not at all. It's, it's something you want to see more of, and they're not forcing it. They're not it's, giving too much. The worst thing you could do with a hot uh, angle is too much of it. Yes. Too little, and people are going, well, I want more. I want more of this. Yep. There's always time to give them more, but once you hit too much, you mm -hmm. can't take it back. And then um, after this match was uh, Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. And Dante Martin, he's just a treat to watch. The dude just floats. 
And I mean, he just floats on air. Like he doesn't fly. He floats. That's the best way to put it. He does. And putting him against Matt Seidel, that is a golden matchup, of course, because these two are incredible. And I do love the duo of Leo Rush and Dante Martin the more I see it. Like, you know something's split's going to come between them soon, but I feel like the payoff's going to be really good today, especially for Dante in his young career right now because he's only 20. He's only 20, and most of all, it it seems like they're going with a weird route that I didn't think they'd go, where Dante Martin is the hesitant prospect. He doesn't really trust Leo Rush. He's starting to trust him a little more. Yeah, I like that. He's kind of buying into it. But it was a solid win for um, Dante Martin. And they touched on it that um, in their, what was it, three head-to-head singles bout. Seidel was up 2-0, but then Martin was able to pick up that one win. Yeah, this is, uh, this is the perfect way to build a kid like this. Not hot-shotting him, but you know he has to get pushed right about now after losing to Malachi Black especially. Yes, definitely. And it's, it's imperative because he's so young right now. He's so... He's not green. He's definitely green on the mic. So giving him a mic piece like uh, Leo Rush will help him learn. Definitely will help him learn. Because Leo Rush yeah, is a great I manager. I can't say enough. Exactly. Leo Rush is a great manager. I am so glad he didn't hold on to that retirement because it felt like he's so young. He's got so much to give to the business. And he's so yeah. good on the mic that he doesn't need to break his body. Although we, he could retire soon. There's always a possibility he just retires again. There is that possibility. I mean, after all, the man is making all that money, as he keeps saying on yep. AEW. Yep, he keeps, you know, buying out the shareholders is what he keeps saying. I mean, Buster Posey, Buster Posey retired after getting that body armor payout. My only weird thing is, though, AEW has too many rich gimmicks. You have Big Money Matt. You have Cody Rhodes. You have Andrade El Idolo. Now you have Leon Rush. How are these guys becoming so rich, and how can I do it? I, I'll say at least the guys who are strapped with the gimmick, gimmick, it makes sense why they are. I mean, Andrade, he's got the legacy money. Matt Hardy's yeah. been doing this for decades. Cody Rhodes, I mean, he literally helped found a company. Yeah, Leon Rush, I'm not sure where he got all the money, to be honest with you. I wonder if they run like a secret society like under the Denver, Denver International Airport. I bet he, I bet that's where the statue came from. Matt Hardy would have put that up. Yep. That oh broken my. face, he would have done it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can we get – for a while, I thought they were going to turn Matt Hardy broken. I still feel like it's coming, and when it does, it's going to be great. I, I think Matt's kind of like Jericho in the way that he's done broken now in kind of three different companies, sort of. And now yeah. he's kind of like, I'm going to do something else. I can't keep doing the same thing. I need to reinvent myself to stay fresh. Yeah. I feel like it's going to make people want that broken gimmick soon, though. Every, I, mean, I, I think everybody it. kind of wants it. All the darker characters coming into play now, it just makes sense. Yeah. And then came the main event. And this is where I start ripping <laughs> things to shreds. <laughs> Abaddon looks like, what the heck? You want your main women's champion to be afraid of that freak show? What the heck? You're afraid of that? If I saw it on the street, I mean, <laughs> I go down to the local Walmart and I see that. But man, jeez. I I mean, the opening, the cold open with Mark Henry was the funniest thing in the world. He asks Abaddon a question, and she just starts vomiting blood, and he just just gives it the cold shoulder. Looks like anyway. she has no comment. 
<laughs> yeah, Britt Baker. Britt's looking like what? What did she just do? Where did she go? And then she just disappears and everything. Yeah. It was actually hilarious if you just kind of look at it out of the serious wrestling moment because this is what AEW kind of is. It's that mix of absolutely ridiculousness sometimes. Like, oh my gosh. But it was credit to Rebel and Jamie Hayter. Also, I want to point out Jamie Hayter dyed her hair black. Not a fan of it. I, I liked her better with the red hair. Not going to lie. I, you know, I feel like if you want to stand out, you have the kind of like really obviously dyed hair. Yeah. It's just a thing that she looked like Becky Lynch because when she debuted, everyone's like, is that Becky Lynch? <laughs> I guess you don't want to keep that up, though. Yeah. But you really don't want to keep the resemblance to Becky Lynch. You don't want to be known as AEW's knockoff Becky Lynch. You don't want to be. The funny thing was, I've been expecting big things for her because I'm like, oh, she's Becky. Oh, wait, no, she's not Becky. <laughs> I'll tell you what, th- this match, this absolute insanity that was this trick-or-treat match, <laughs> for a hardcore match, I'll tell you what, they went for hardcore. And that table still isn't broken. <laughs> I'll tell you what, they import those tables from Japan. I, oh, my you gosh. Can't, the j- tables in Japan, they don't break. They don't. They got that one from Japan. And Abaddon... The whole thumbtacks thing in the mouth was absolutely horrifying, and I did like the touch where Britt Baker did not want to lock in the lockjaw. She did yeah. not want to put her hand in to a pile of thumbtacks. Exactly. Which, that's why she's the champ. That's why, because she's very smart. Yep, Britt Baker is smart. And the Boston fans, I was listening to another podcast, and the guy who was at the show said – they started chanting F that table when it didn't break the second time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that tells you how they feel about this company when they're not like, wow, why'd they get such a bad table? So they're like, that table, it's that table's fault. It's, that, the, table's it's fault. the table's fault. It could have broke. It chose not to. Can we talk about, there are two things that were just absolutely ouch. The, the, the tax spot Baker took and the curb stomp of the chair between Abaddon's neck. It's, yeah, this, this match was very, very painful looking. I'm not going to lie. Yes. ECW fans would have loved this. I'm telling you, if they put that in Philadelphia, they would have ate it up. Oh, yeah, they would have Boston ate it still up. ate it up. Because I like the show. I personally like the match. I just hate Abaddon with a passion. And I don't I think don't she, she t- need to go anywhere near a wrestling ring again. But that's just my her, opinion. I don't know what her gimmick is. I, it's, it's like she is zombie undead. or like... I don't know, but it, for a Halloween match, it entertained me. For any other time of the year, I'm a little horrified of it. And I think that's the point. So maybe they're doing, maybe she's doing it right. I don't know. I don't know. I either. was entertained purely because of the Mark Henry beginning. They just After remind that, me of Decay back in the day when Decay took on the Broken Hardies. They just, she reminds me of a Decay member. That's what she reminds me of. And I think that she's that's what she's missing is something behind her because she's on her own right now yeah she needs like some crazy there are characters that can make this work do you pair her with dan Housen, possibly that would actually dan Housen's so silly that it might work with something like the whole mark henry thing so i think i would i think i like I dan house i hope we see him in AEW soon I, I wish him the best on his recovery i saw he had a, a gofundme up due to an ankle injury broke yeah. his ankle i believe yeah, he did. Um, so all, all the fan housings, I'm sure, are helping him out with that. Yeah, and basically that was uh, Rampage. And then now we're going to – there was no notables from Raw. Let's be honest. We're, 
Raw was just awful. There was a Raw. There was, yeah. I, I honestly, I'd rather eat raw meat than just watch Raw. Because I'd rather get food poisoning and salmonella from raw meat than watch Monday Night Raw. I'm, I'm just going to stare at the results because I can't stare at the show for three hours. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I can't um, even Becky stare Lynch. at the results. Becky Lynch beat Bianca Belair, like, actually got a pinfall. Was it clean as a whistle? I don't think it was, but it was not a DQ. How about that? How about that? That's a shocker right there. Bianca Belair and Becky um, Lynch keep on feuding for the 500 times. <laughs> it's over now, right? It has to be over. I keep saying that, but never is. I feel um, like Vince is like, nah, that few can go another five months. Hey, you want to make your, uh, are they still the women tag champions, Rhea and Nikki? I didn't even know there are the, I didn't even know there is a women's tag champions because oh they're gosh, not on yeah, TV. What, well, they were for some reason, and they lost to Selena Vega and Carmella. Question, were they in longer than the entire uh, uh, Queen's Crown tournament? Absolutely not, because they were a part of it, and I'm sure that this match did not last too long. If it listed match times, that'd be nice, but it does not, and I assume it was very... It had a commercial break in the middle, actually. Never mind. It might have been. It might have been longer than the entirety of the Queen's Crown tournament. Finn Balor and Chad Gable wrestled for some reason. Finn Balor won. Shocker. Oh, he's not Shorty G anymore? He's... uh. I think WrestleView.com might be doing him a solid and just saying, no, 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 he's Chad Gable. He is Chad Gable. That is his name. It is a good name. <laughs> we do not need to call him things like Shorty G. <laughs> Shorty G. <laughs> what, what was Vince thinking? Was Vince on the can one day was like reading a magazine and was like, Shorty G. I like that name. <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny name, pal. Um the Street Profits uh, lost to the Dirty Dogs. That's their name. I know it says Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. They go by the Dirty Dogs now. Don't know why, but... Um, when is Bobby Roode going to lose whatever. his first name? They just call him Roode. Honestly, I mean, when he had the mustache, I thought they were just going to call him Rick. <laughs> yeah. uh, see, how long has Dolph Ziggler been with the company? This is how he's treated right now. It's been about 15 years now, Wow. if you like. They really, squad, so yeah. they, they really missed the mark with him. They really missed the opportunities. A lot of poorly timed injuries, of course. Damian Priest faced T Bar in a no DQ match. T Bar and Damian. Damian Priest got the win. Did Damian Priest? I forgot if they ruined his theme music yet. I know they ruined Sami Zayn's. They ruined um, everybody's theme music. When did they ruin Jeff Hardy's theme music? That is the biggest tragedy waiting to happen. Big E uh, faced Kevin Owens and uh, Big E won. Big E um, won. He beat Big Kevin he Owens. Did get the win. Wow. And he and Kevin Owens, I guess, did something. I don't know what he had to apologize to Big E after match and blame Seth Rollins. Huh. And then That's it was one of those Kevin Owens apologies where he was kept apologizing. And you know what that means. He's yeah. trying to draw you in. I feel like Kevin Owens is just done at this point, though. He, he, I think this has got to be uh, him winding down. He got hit with a big ending by Big E after the match because Kevin Owens was about to turn heel, and we all know it. Yeah. But get, get uh, out of there. He deserves better. How much I is left on his contract? Rushmore. I think it's a few more months. I think a few more months? A few more months. A few more months until he's free. Gotcha. 
Uh, it's so weird saying that how it used to be a tragedy when a guy would get released that was that talented. Now it's like good, good job. You have to go work for a real company. I remember uh, when um, the Bullet Club when back when they were calling themselves the Bullet Club when it was Kenny, Cody, uh, Marty, and all them, and back before like when they were hot with BTE, how they invaded Raw, and they're like, "We are here for our friends." Finn Balor, are you in there? Carl Anderson, are you in there? Luke Gallows, we are here to save you. <laughs> Just <laughs> that's what this feels like. That's what it feels like whenever someone gets released. It's like it feels like AEW is here to pick them up and pick up the broken pieces that WWE did. Yeah, speaking of that, Wyndham Rotunda, the former Bray Wyatt, his uh oh yeah 90 days are up. We don't know what he's gonna do. He, he did not debut on Dynamite, did he? No, he did not. He's still he's still kind of a question mark where he's gonna end up, and that's gonna be one of the more interesting things to watch for I the next couple see, weeks. Do you think at full gear, maybe lights go oh, out and he beats oh, up you, Cody again? <laughs> I mean, listen, I think. It's almost a tradition now where if you're kind of a newcomer and you want to become the cool heel, you beat up Cody Rhodes. Yes. Question is, is that what what Wyndham Rotunda wants to do? That's what he's going to be going by for at least now. Um, Does he team up with Malachi Black? That'd be a good team. That'd be a good team. Or lead the inner circle. Not the inner circle, the dark order. do with him in – there's a lot there with the dark order that would make sense. And that's if you want to take them down a darker turn, I guess. I don't know. They're a little bit too lighthearted now. I don't think they can go that route. Especially I feel like the whole- they can if they get the right leader. Because there's no leader in the dark order right now. Yeah. And Bray, uh, Bray Wyndham, whatever you want to call him. He, he's the right leader for any stable yes. that wants to go down a dark route. He's perfect as a leader. I feel but like it- if they really want to do this angle – he would take out someone within the dark order who's like really that comedic act, like Colt Cabana or something, and like just took them out. He, he could do that with uh, probably John Silver too. Johnny, that'd Hungy. be the one that that'd be the one that really get people riled up, though. Oh yeah, that would be. But um, that'd get heat. But yeah, um, so Dynamite. Let's talk about November third Dynamite wrestling. edition. Real wrestling, real wrestling. So um. <laughs> Uh, I can't remember. I'm on the website and it does not have the match card. The first match was one that had the danger of killing the company. This is the match that could possibly end this company. Kenny Omega versus Alan Angels because it nearly killed this company last time when he kicked out of the V-trigger. Alan Angels? Are you kidding me? Alan Angels? Of the Dark Order. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, Alan Angels is underrated. He is very good in the ring. Yes, but wouldn't you think he would just get buried? They have faced before, and he didn't get buried then. So they kind of played off that history gotcha. where Kenny Omega had be hit him with the V-trigger. It looked like it was over, and he kicked out, and the internet exploded because how could Alan Angels kick out of the V-trigger? Yeah. Not even his finisher. Come on, guys. And so they did this match, and it was competitive again. It was kind of played up. Is Alan Angels going to be the guy who kind of has Kenny's number and gives him a hard time every time? And he did that. And it was a good match. However, he kicked out of the V-trigger again, so Kenny made sure he didn't do it again by V-triggering twice in a row, and he still didn't have to use the one-wing angel. Gotcha. And it was after the match, um, he went for the one-wing angel on a chair, but then Hangman Page came in. So it, I'm just more excited for Hangman Page taking on Omega. 
Like this is the thing is, I don't know because Danielson is right around the corner. We don't know what's going to happen in that match. We legitimately don't know because it is Hangman's time, but everyone's salivating for Omega and Danielson too. That's the thing. You don't know what they're going to do. They're in a great booking situation. This is years in the making, and I feel like we might see something different go down. I don't know how different where it goes this route or not, because as hot as Danielson is, Miro's hot too. So if you want a first feud for Adam Page, you do not throw him in there with Danielson or else he's losing. Yes. And people don't want to see him have a short title reign either. I think you go Miro and then you have that big match. Omega and Danielson does not need the strap. You're going to put Miro over Danielson. That's hard, though. It's hard, but you can get it. You can set the seeds. I don't think they've done it well enough to set the seeds for Omega Danielson where Omega has somebody interfere. Yes. I, I think that's so the way tough. you get it done. It's in a, they're in a real hard spot. The real question is, Danielson wants to work Japan. That's his kind of dream. Yeah. So that's the one thing I could see holding them back from putting the title on. Or if he wants to work Japan, then I don't know if he can do it. I feel like they would send him over there if he was a champion, and if Okada's a champion over there, the champion would, versus champion. That would be the move, but you need Japan to be on a board, New Japan to be on board with that because they, they don't have the title on Okada. They don't have the title on Okada. That's the thing. And another thing is, we know Japan, when New Japan worked with previous promotions before, they completely buried ROH. They, they buried Ring of Honor, but Ring of Honor also is not, it was never in a position to have leverage. Yeah. All so, Elite Wrestling has leverage in that you will not get away with burying their guys without some backlash from hardcore fans. Yeah. So I feel like. If they were going to do something, they would be like a two out of three falls or an Iron Man match where there's like kind of a hokey finish, but it was too close to call, something like that, where somehow you can end in a draw, but it's not like a bad draw, not like a time limit draw. Yeah, and the big thing is I feel like AEW is kind of in another spot where once you get Omega out of this and you don't have the title anymore, what's the route you're going because you got a lot of question marks coming in the future. If Kevin Owens is gone, do you do Mount Rushmore? Yeah. And there's a question with guys who are going to be on the outs in WWE where Omega's future kind of depends on that. Yep. And it, it's just, they're, they're such a good decision. They're just in a good, they really are just in a good like situation. And there really is no wrong or right answer here. But the right, like the right, right answer is going to hit so well. And that's the thing. You have the faith that they are going to be the ones to get the right answer. Because they usually do. They usually do hit it right on the head. They don't usually make a mistake. If they do make a mistake, they correct it pretty well. Yep. Um, Uh, What else was on this card outside of um, basically? So... Uh, they, had a vin- they had a vignette of uh, Malachi Black. He got barred from ringside because main event yeah. is Cody and Andrade. Oh, yeah, and Cody and Andrade. Malachi they had Black a good match. They had a very good match. And Black kind of did that thing where he goes, yeah, I-, I don't need to be there for something to happen, you know? Yeah. So that was overall, that was a good match. I like the two. Andrade can work really well. And I'm starting to grow on him, not going to lie. And... I don't know. I like his entrance too now. 
it's just nice to watch. He's he's so good, and people were kind of down that he hadn't. There wasn't much being done with him at first. It's kind of how things go sometimes. He's a big star down in AAA, so he's got to go down to Mexico sometimes. Yeah. Um, but Cody well, they, Rhodes and Andrade put on a really good match. Yeah, and I feel like when they do have a lot of new incoming people, I mean, they didn't do the right thing with Brody Lee at first. They didn't do the right thing with Miro at first. Malachi Black is kind of still wishy-washy with Cody, but it's working right now. And like Andrade Idolo is it's gonna take time. When they take their time, they're taking their time with these guys and figuring out what they want. And once they figure out what they want, it's gold. Yeah. It is gold, and this match was gold. And of course, <clears throat> there was some long-term storytelling I was happy with because after the match in which Andrade Idolo won. Thanks to FTR's interference, FTR and Andrade beat down Cody. And you remember what Cody used to yell all the time on uh, being the elite? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe maybe saying that all the time wasn't a great idea because FTR, that used to stand for something different back then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they got their little bit of revenge on them, really. And it's, still, it's a nice little story playing out there. It, he did Arnie a gab Anderson on Twitter, too. Fight Tully. He did yeah, a gab on Twitter too. He was like, I shouldn't have said that back then. Yeah. And uh, Lucha Bros make the save because they're going to face FTR at yeah. full year. So, of course, they make the save. They and then, uh, don't really have a reason not to. And then before that match, it was a AAA uh, world tag title match between FTR and they took on Samurai Del Sol, which was uh, formerly known as Kalisto and Aerostar. And FTR working, working with these luchadors who can fly, they're just, they work amazing. Their, their style can get great matches out of these guys because the luchador style is basically now a lot of high flippy dippy spots. It's high flippy dippy spots. That's what it is. But FTR, they got that old style to them. They can kind of counter that and still let them get their spots in. And you, it's believable. Yeah, it's really good. And I'll be honest, Samurai Del Sol stood out to me. He's yes. always been very good. We all knew that. Aerostar looked like he got hurt early on. Yeah. He was laboring. He was behind on the spots. Timing was off, but it looked like he got hurt. I'm not, I don't, they say he's a pretty sloppy guy in the first place, but usually I'm sure it's more high paced than he usually that because he was yeah. slow. Yeah. And he didn't really know how the American tag team wrestling worked. It was, oh, he didn't it know was, how he tags worked in American wrestling. I saw them doing tags in the ring, and I was going, this is actually funny, though. Yeah. Um, I think after that or before that, it was uh, Jamie Hayter defeated Anna Jay in the TBS Women's Title Tournament. And at the expense of Anna Jay, I'm glad they're doing something with Jamie Hayter now. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It made sense to beat Anna Jay. And also, I mean, numbers game, everything went, the way it usually would in this situation. So Jamie Hayter gets to advance. Anna Jay doesn't really lose any momentum or anything. And the the saves at the end, Ty Conti was looking good until she wasn't. Yeah. But then Thunder Rosa cleans house. Thunder so Rosa. about the TBS title tournament. Thunder Rosa's cleaning house of Britt Baker. I Oh, my gosh. Thunder Rosa. I watched her when I was in St. Louis. She's a star. Thunder Rosa is a star. Yeah. I don't know. If someone's going to end Britt Baker's reign, it's Thunder Rosa. If, if 
there's a new TBS Women's Champion, the first one, it's Thunder Rosa. You can do whatever you want with her at this point. Yeah, it felt like they were building a little bit towards Britt Baker Thunder Rosa again, but I feel like it's too soon. It already happened. So TBS tournament, I don't know, it just... There's something you know. With there's something with them. There's something with them that they're gonna go back to. Maybe not soon, but I'm excited for it. They got. I think once they feel like they've built Thunder Rosa to the level they've built Britt Baker, they'll be able to kind of have the dethroning. Yeah. Uh, after that, um, uh, Jurassic Express and Christian Cage beat the crap out of the Super Click. Yeah, it was a. <laughs> I thought that beatdown was kind of, it felt like it was dragging in the middle. Yes. But the payoff with the concerto was. And uh, that stupid Brandon Cutler getting beat up too was great. Brandon Cutler just keeps, he he exists to get beat up by uh, the elite's enemy. I appreciate that role for him. Me too. I love it. And Uh, Christian Cage just completely obliterated Adam Cole. Oh, he did. He it, that was a that was a concerto that uh, it's been years since I've seen something that was that brutal. I haven't seen Christian do a concerto. I don't think in a long time. It's been a long re- time since I've seen Christian do it. it. Honestly, like Edge and Christian are kind of using the namesake of our namesake of our show more often recently. <laughs> I really hope they don't pay too much attention. If they have that trademarked, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. We're going to have to be the concer- the, the non-concerto if that happens, or the latter chair toe. I really <laughs> hope they don't do that. That'd be really, uh, you really force us into weird names, guys. Yeah, you really are. At the end, hey, we could just go by TLC. Tables, yeah. ladders, and chairs. Yeah, <laughs> oh, wait, the, no. the, the channel might go after us then. Um, yeah. yeah, you're <laughs> right. The inner circle they uh, revealed the five members of American Top Team that they'll face in the Minneapolis Street Fight. Oh yeah, Men of the Year were the default picks because you know they they're actual wrestlers. They yes. have, they know how to wrestle. And then um, they had an, an MMA guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, Andre Arlovsky. They picked Santana. Picked Andre Arlovsky, former UFC champion. Right. Um, and then Junior Dos Santos. Yeah, Junior has experience. We know he's got he's got the spirit for it. We know that. And then, ladies and gentlemen, with the final pick, Jericho picks. Dun 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 dun. Yeah yeah yeah. I couldn't say the first part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dan Lambert. <laughs> hey, you know that this is gonna be a fun match where you know who's gonna win. You know oh, who's gonna win. Yeah. Oh, Dan you Lambert's know gonna finally get beat up. Jericho is gonna get his hands on Lambert. Like Champion's gonna get his win, and I'm excited. Like it's gonna be just a fun match. I I, I appreciate Paige Van Zant because she has some sort of idea of how to be a heel. Yes, she set her up for a pretty bad line. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> See, the thing is with Jericho is you always set yourself up a bad line when you're talking. To, you're cutting a promo against Jericho. Yeah, I think Paige Van Zant. Now, this is coming from an MMA fan standpoint too. She should be a wrestler. Yes. She's had struggles in MMA. She's broken her arm multiple times. She is not very good at MMA, but she has the look for wrestling. She has the promo base for wrestling. She can improve on that. She's a wrestler in the making and a very good one, too, if she can put it all together. Yes. And honestly, I think I'm just excited to see this match, which is surprising because usually I don't like these multi-man tag matches, but I'm excited to see it. 
I am too. I'm excited to see. Uh, first of all, I hope they've been working with Junior on his work punches because he's obviously holding back because he is a knockout artist. Yeah, so oh, I, they're going to work with him. Adjustment. They'll work with him. Especially Jericho. Jericho will work with him. But um, yeah, that was basically the show outside of the main event we haven't touched on yet. Orange Cassidy basically put his heart out there and come up just short against Miro. Yeah, and this match was kind of what you expected, even if it was Moxley in that spot, too. Yes. Um, it, it was, yeah. So for those who may not have known, Moxley had to be placed in a tournament for extenuating circumstances we'll touch on later. Yeah. So Miro took a sp- spot, which everyone, I think, kind of hoped for, because Miro has the momentum. He didn't have anything going on except yeah. The- my God has made me so mad story. And now he's been given a gift from his God, as he says. I love the whole thing he's doing because it has Roman warrior, like spirit all over. It does. It does. And I like it. But um, I'm just sad to see Orange Cassidy. Look, and all the guys in AEW, my favorite one is Orange Cassidy because he just clicked with me. I remember just watching his first match on AEW TV with Pac. He just clicked. I liked it. He's <laughs> just the thing with Orange Cassidy is he's something different, something he so is. different that hasn't been really done in pro wrestling on this stage. Yeah, and it clicks with everyone because they're like, I feel like that would be me as a pro wrestler. Like, yes, and I'm he's not, not really kicking. Yeah, like we've all seen the brawler type of guys. We've never seen anybody who just doesn't truly try. <laughs> like, we've never seen that, and that's what we get with Cassidy. It makes it to where when he when he does try, like he had a spot against Miro where he finally kind of he screams and starts punching him. And you're kind of like, yeah, oh, he really cares now. He's really in for it. Even when uh, and when Chris Statlander took on Baker, when Statlander was about to be, ta- uh, what do you call, uh, counted out, you know, he was just standing there lots of days ago. And then it got around like seven, eight. And he was like, he started yelling at Statlander to get back in the ring. And he was showing fire and was like, it's something special when Cassidy cares. Yeah, that almost like it felt like that almost willed Chris Satlander on the win. That's the effect that him when he when the character gets into it, that's when you know things are serious. Yeah, but uh, I'm not sad, but I'm a little sad. But at the end of the day, eventually, I feel like Cassidy may not be world champion in this company, which is fine. It's just fine. But I do. He's going to have some sort of title reign soon, I would think. You gotta give him a belt because it's really written there. The lazy guy who doesn't really try is a champion. It would be hilarious be if he out. was AEW champion. Yeah, I think it behind you it. You know it would for the contenders. Oh my gosh! Could you imagine if he? Because when he's held belts before in the Indies, he put it in a Jansport backpack. That is actually perfect and completely on brand. I love that. <laughs> Um, you see, I I bet if he wins the AEW title, if they ever put him over, they're gonna tell him you can't do that guy. Like that will devalue our belt. Please don't devalue our championship, Orange Cassidy. You yes. put it on your shoulder. That that's all we'll give you. Yeah, but that is all we have. Uh, we for did the... miss. Oh wait, what? We missed one segment. Oh yeah, and we that did. That was MJF and Darby. Dar- MJF and Darby. That's right. 
MJF and, and Darby. It was, it was pretty good. MJF's doing his thing. He kind of made it to where it was like, they're the two pillars that everyone's really excited about. Yes. They're the two different pillars from the other two. And Darby on the mic, I'm sorry, he is just not that good on the mic yet. He's still young. I get it. He has yeah. charisma in other ways, like Jeff Hardy, when Jeff Hardy wasn't the greatest on the mic beforehand. The thing with Jeff Hardy reminds was, me of that. You got to make a, you just got to do, do it. Do what uh, Jeff Hardy did back in 08 when he just started going crazy, hitting everybody with a chair. So you just got to do that with Darby. And, I, and put a little, like, in the rafters, like kind of like Sting did back in the day. It works great. It would be perfect for him. It would work. He, he, he's got it going. But I just don't think you should be putting him in a position where he's going up against MJF on the mic. Yeah. Because MJF, MJF is, is a guy who's always going to win the war on the mic. Yes. You definitely should not do that. You, you should just make Darby be a crazy maniac who beats people up with a skateboard in this situation. It, 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 you shouldn't it, it, be talking on the mic. Especially in this case where MJF's gone overboard because, of course, he has. He shouldn't be trying to talk to him. He should be kind of going, I want to beat you up yep. because you're annoying, because you're uh, you-know-what, and everybody knows it. <laughs> Basically. And... I mean, it was a good segment. I liked it. And I guess, like, the only bad thing in the show was just... I don't know what you can say. What was, what was the worst thing in the show? Um, the John Silver, and I like John Silver. I love John Silver. His whole little interview with Tony Shee. I just oh, didn't he... know what Budge was yet, and it was kind of forced at first. It was weird. So it was stupid. a being the elite joke that the, the audience doesn't all watch being the elite you need to explain this and they yes. did a good job on rampage rampage they did a great job it was yes because i got it now i get it now but also it made me want it made me want to cheer for adam cole on rampage when he was like dude i hate you you just kind of ruined the adam cole thing shut up <laughs> call him I, I did like the reference because of wwe's stupid idea yeah but we didn't need we didn't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. But um anyway, before we get into the rest of the show where we talk about what happened with John Moxley and another Black Thursday for WWE talent, we're gonna go into a little bit of a break where we basically promote one of our uh shows here on KCOU. And uh one of them is the overthrow. Um it is at Mondays at 4 p.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM. Um they talk about all things college football and NFL draft. There's analysis. There's a debate. They banter on things. Um, Jack Sobel and James Marsh. They talk a great. They do a great job of uh, talking all things college football and NFL draft. And that's one of the shows you can check out at KCOU 88.1 FM. And it is at 4 p.m. on Mondays. But right back into our show. John Moxley. Surprising out of nowhere. It was just surprising. Like. Yeah. The fact that he's just going to basically rehab. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest. Uh, I was reading his his book that recently came out, Mox. Yes. And in the opening prologue, he's, he calls himself many things because he's a very complicated man. He is. Calls himself, he, he self-identifies himself as a borderline alcoholic in there. And I think that now that he has had a kid, he's been on the road a lot. I think he's kind of taking it upon himself now that I got to get right. 
Yes. And no storyline should get in the way of him wanting to improve himself. And yes. that is something to really applaud in John Moxley. John Moxley, it, it's a different story for you to like for the state, for like a court to tell you to go to rehab, but it's different for you yourself. The position you in you are in, you're one of the faces of the company. And you say, you know what, I have this problem. I want to get better, you know, for my daughter, for my child, for my wife, or uh, Renee Paquette, too. It's like he wants to get better, and that's what he did. And I don't fault him for the decision. CM Punk made a great promo about it. He said, you know, it's okay if, you know, you're in trouble. You just reach out for help. It's okay to have mistakes. And I think CM Punk touched on the head in his promo there. And Tony Khan was very respectful about it. Um, he, he, um, he contacted Moxley and said, hey, is it okay if we break this news? And he said, sure. So they went about it all the right way. And it was definitely, they, they, probably, they probably did it in the best way you can, honestly. Yeah, and that's been on brand with how AEW's handled things of this nature. And honestly, it, I, I had a little bad feeling when it was brought up on TV, but it was brought up in a perfect way. They did great with it. And quite frankly, I mean, I bet if John Moxley didn't want us to know, we wouldn't know. Yeah, it would have been it would have been explained away because, quite frankly, historically, that's what they've done is they are good at keeping things in lock behind the scenes. Yes, they are. They historically are good at keeping things in lock behind the scenes. I mean, if you listen to AEW Unrestricted, you would hear how crazy it was for Adam Cole to debut. No one absolutely knew about it. And they flew him to Milwaukee. Then they drove to Chicago and kept him in a trailer for the entire day. <laughs> like, I mean, the, if the AEW really wanted to keep it under wraps, they would do it and they can do it. Yeah. And it, it, it was good that this is kind of one of the weird ones where it is a little hard to hide because yes. how would you explain him being immediately in the tournament? The storylines change completely. Tony Khan, I, I, he immediately got ahead of it. He announced it with Moxley's blessing. And that's what you like about AEW behind the scenes is that with his blessing is the key words there. Yes, that's very much true, with his blessing. Um, the other news that broke this week was Thursday night. It was another, you want to call it a Red Wedding, a Black Thursday. Whatever you want to call it, it was WWE talent getting gutted and released, and it, it was a long list. So let's go through the names. Jeez, <laughs> want me to start here? Let's go. Um, I'll I'll leave the big names for the end because that's what we're all gonna wait for, I guess. Grand Metalik, he requested his release a while back. He's gone, gets his wish. Lindsay Dorado follows him. Mia Yim is gone. Eva Marie returned for nothing, I guess. She's gone as well. So Harry Nia Smith. Had, yeah, Nia Jax is also gone. I mean, for a lot of people, they're going to say with how reckless she was in the ring. That's whatever. Yeah. It, it was, it's weird. Harry Smith. Harry Smith, if you remember, he even returned. Congratulations. He's already gone after one match on, I think, a house show. Yep. Um, B-Fab of Hit Row. And they just got brought up, you know. She's gone. Frankie Monet, who I believe was Taya Valkyrie on the Indies, came into NXT. No good reason. She's gone. Ember Moon 
this is the big one NXT to me. She is also gone. Yep. Um, Oni Lorkin, he's a good worker. He's been oh, everywhere. Oni Lorkin. Yeah, he's no. gone. Oh, Oni my Lorkin's gosh. gone. He got 90 days. He announced it on YouTube in a video that he has been released and he'll be he'll be a sought after guy. He's very talented. Um, these next couple ones I'm not as familiar with. Trey Baxter, Jesse Kamea, Arian Ramirez, Scarlet. Karrion Cross, Scarlet, and Keith Lee. Those are the big ones. Don't know how you messed Keith Lee up, especially. This and they had like a new thing from they were calling him Bearcat Keith Lee, and then screw you, be gone. Like they don't know what they're doing. They don't. They really don't saying it. (laughs) They screwed up Karrion Cross from the get-go. There was no issue of him jobbing to Jeff Hardy. If you wanted a whole thing of saying Scarlet's not there great but like you know when the girl's actually there with him he like he like she gives she gives him an edge or something that gives him the power to beat jeff hardy you could easily fix that but the butchering of his character the whole demolition mass thing was stupid um scarlet was just not utilized after nxt whatsoever when carrion cross was brought up so no one knows what's happening there um this Keith Lee was screwed up from the get-go. He was off TV for how many months with a sickness, and they didn't even touch on it or tell us why he was off TV. They didn't even say anything at all until after he came back. Mia Yim, gone. I, <laughs> Ember Moon, how long has she been off TV? Over this. Has, Ember, has Ember Moon has appeared on NXT. TV? Moved her back to Ember. They moved her back to NXT. Yeah, because I haven't Which seen Ember Moon on the main roster since, like, how long was Ember Moon on the main roster for before they moved her back to NXT? It, it was a few years, and it was honestly a butchered few years. Honestly, it, it was so bad. It was so bad. I remember watching her the night of the solar, not yeah, the, what do you call solar solar eclipse, right? When the sun goes over the moon for how many ever, so many seconds? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, you know, her finishing move was the Eclipse, and it was Asuka who was the NXT Women's Champion at the time. It was the night of TakeOver. And I saw something in her, and I was like, she has it. She could be a star in this company if they do, if they use her right, and they didn't. Like, they butchered her completely. I feel like this. Everybody was on this list. I mean, literally everyone on this list just feels like they're butchered. Here's my big thing with these releases: is <clears throat> Ember Moon is amazing in the ring. Sure, yes. her character work. Uh, I could you couldn't have me tell you her character. That's the problem, I guess. Yeah, she's gonna go to AEW and immediately give more value to that women's division that is lacking in name value most yes she's a name she's a big name for considering who's in that division keith lee keith lee is an amazing athlete an amazing wrestler who has charisma for days and vince and liked the them big, too that was the weird thing vince said he liked them he said he liked them and then he just kind of he just destroyed every all the momentum he had you had him coming out with the Royal Rumble with 
Brock Lesnar looking at him, that's a big guy coming my way right now. Yeah. That's a threat. He sold him as a threat. That's how high Brock Lesnar thought of him. Yes. Uh, it's just, it's brutal. It feels like if you're, if you're a WWE talent right now, it really feels like no one's safe. There's only probably like one or two guys who's safe. And that's probably what AJ and Roman and Brock. And that's about it. It's AJ, Roman, and Brock. If you really want to talk about who's really safe on this roster. I'd argue even AJ is safe because he's, he's happy to be there. Yeah. A lot of these people being released are probably not happy to be there anymore because quite frankly, it's being exposed that WWE should not be the be all end all. When you see people at AEW having the times of their lives right now. Yes. They love the free being there. It's almost like, Instead of don't pick up the phone, you're kind of like sitting there. If you're uh, Keith Lee, you're going, please call me. Please be, let this be the call. So I can go back to where I had fun. Because the big knock on AEW, it's a weird knock. I'm not sure I like this knock, is that they have a lack of top minority talent. It's a weird knock. That is a weird knock. Force up there. And Keith Lee is a main event star. Could you imagine if he feuded with Powerhouse Hobbs, how cool that would be? Keith Lee's going to go there. If he goes to AEW, which he should, it is going to be the absolute best thing for everyone involved because Keith Lee will be used as he should. Yes. He's a valuable guy to have on the roster. AEW knows that. They've worked with him. The big thing I hate is hearing out of WWE when he left that he was hard to work with, that he didn't like jobbing. That's complete garbage. A, he has a reputation on the indies of being a guy who is unselfish Never had a problem. He does not seem like a person performer. who would be a trouble in the locker room. He does not. And it, it shows when they were filming WWE 24 with him interacting with Vince. Vince was like, oh, you're doing great. We're just going to change a few things, but you're going to be a star kid. Like, I like you. I like what you're doing. And he's like, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I, prom- I promise I won't let you down, sir. And what the heck? It's it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch all these guys that – who you see in old NXT, that NXT was a super indie, basically. I mean, they ruined Keith Lee. They ruined Finn Balor for the 400th time already. They ruined Shinsuke Nakamura. They ruined Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe's not even on TV after winning the NXT title, and for some reason, he vacated it for no absolute reason. Asuka, is she even a wrestler anymore? Because I don't know what she's doing. And it's they wanted to shave Adam Cole's head and make call him Bud, right? And make him Keith Lee's manager. This company wants to get in its own way. I'm convinced it wants to defeat itself because Keith Lee didn't let Vince McMahon down. Vince McMahon, John Laurinaitis, everyone in the back let Keith Lee down because there's no reason he shouldn't have been a future champion. The problem was he should have been in a world title scene by now. He really should. The problem with WWE right now is they hit on some things. Roman's heel run is great. Big E's title run, it was great for putting the belt on him. We're going to see where it goes from there. Hopefully, it's great. But outside of that, they haven't hit the mark on anything at all. It's not everything except Roman and Big E. Everything else has been hot garbage. I feel like it's because these writers are not wrestling writers. They don't know how to write a wrestling show. Vince McMahon is being told yes to everything. He doesn't have people like Cornette or... Someone back in the day who would be like, that's complete garbage. Don't do that. Like, the wrestlers are scared to be vocal, too. So they're just going to go along with it. And Kevin Dunn's an absolute moron because Kevin Dunn's stupid. Kevin Dunn 
I, I read this. It was a Brian Alvarez tweet, so take it with a grain of salt because Brian's not always right. He's usually outraged about the right things, though. Yeah. He said that it looks like with WWE, they're looking to go younger in the women's division. And I hear that, and I go, that stinks of Bruce Prichard. That stinks of Ken. And it stinks of going back to a diva search era. Yes, Which is does. not one we want to go back to. We do not want backwards. to go back to that. Bailey's on injury right now, and I get they're hurting for Bailey right now, but once she gets back, they're going to be fine. There's no reason for them to get younger in the women's division. If they want to bring in new talent, how about you don't screw up someone like Shotzi Blackheart by just calling her Shotzi and having her drive a freaking tank to the ring? There's so much wrong with these releases. There are some right ones where I go, you just didn't have plans. Harry Smith, I don't know what you're planning on. Yes. Nia Jax, you can go back and forth on it. She should have never been signed in the first place. Nia Jax, you can go back and forth on it. Yes, she did have some great success in WWE, but also she injured Becky Lynch. She robbed us of Ronda and Becky. She's dangerous to work with in the ring. How, she nearly dropped Alexa on her head. Um, she how you, Okay, how, how as a powerhouse are you going to nearly drop Alexa Bliss on You're the powerhouse of the division, and you aren't strong enough to hold up this very small Alexa Bliss. That's... Alexa, That's the one thing that always got me about Nia. She wasn't strong. Yes. Alexa Bliss could, honestly, Alexa Bliss is probably 100 pounds soaking wet. The fact that she almost dropped Alexa Bliss on her head, that's, that's concerning. It really is. And, look, Nia was great in NXT. She was, it was, she was great. She was a tank. She was a great powerhouse in NXT. But whatever reason, when she got to the main roster, they watered her down. They made her seem like this like bully character with Alexa, and it just didn't work. And oh, it was just bad. It just really was, and it felt like it was. Oh, it That's makes a, me sick to my stomach when I think about this company. <laughs> it really. Does. I'm not. We're not trashing I'm not on WWE. To them the as WWE. We're not trashing on WWE. The trash on WWE. We're trashing on WWE because. Look what we used to have. We used to have wrestlers who were, you know, rock stars, stars. They were complete awesome. Like, we had Jeff Hardy. We had John Cena back in the day when John Cena, before he became John Cena, sucks all the time. The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin. We know what WWE can do when there's pressure put on them. And there's pressure being put on them right now. But instead of punching back like they did with WCW, it seems like they're just like, we're going to do our own thing. It's because of how much money they're getting in the TV deals and they're hiring writers that don't know wrestling. And it just comes they, down to they, it. I remember, I remember a conference call that Vince had where he said that, talking about AEW taking up some of their talent that they've been letting go, and Vince said maybe we'll send them some more. That's how low he looks at the talent now. Yes. That's how – and it's also – it's self-defeating. I, he's not going to understand it. I don't think he ever will. I don't think you're he will. helping. You're helping AEW with everything you do. I will not call WWE WWE anymore. They're that company now. That company has SmackDown on the air because this isn't the this only isn't good WWE show with SmackDown. NXT it's got it. murdered and Raw's it's terrible. gone. Raw's terrible and SmackDown's the only good show. To Braun Breaker, as good as Braun Breaker is right now. He's too green, which is fine, but uh, Braun Breaker cannot save this company. Roman Reigns cannot save this company. No one can save this company but Vince McMahon. I've never been one to doubt Vince McMahon, 
I'm doubting the people who he's surrounded with right now. If Vince McMahon had better people who were surrounded him right now, this company would be fine, but he doesn't. And it gets worse if you think about Triple H. Triple H built NXT into an indie uh, dream show, which it was always meant to lose after AEW says, but you need to gut it completely. You need to gut all the stars yes. he helped make. If I were Triple H right now, I see a lot of enemies in the offices in Stamford, Connecticut. If I was Triple H, I'd go after Nick Khan, i go after Bruce Pritchard, Bruce Pritchard and John Laurinaitis. That's who I'm going after. Because this is Triple H's company when Vincent Mann inevitably, you know, passes on. Because he's up there in age. He's 80 years old. Do I think Vince can do this for another 40 years? Sure, because he's Vince. He's in great shape. He's always been in great shape. I only worry because I don't know. When Vince says he's done, I don't know if there's been a little swirling rumors, tiny, of a sale possibly and with those tv deals they'll sell for a lot a lot of money we and i don't know what triple h does then as wrestling fans we need someone like triple h to take over the company when vince is basically done with the company because someone like nick khan turning it into hollywood disney is gonna ruin it yeah it's not ever gonna be you're never gonna have enough great performers to ever be that you need it to be full of john cena's who take to it like nothing it's, it's pathetic. There aren't it's, enough guys like that. It's really pathetic. You know, a lot of people back in, you know, when we were growing up were saying WWE was going down the drain. I didn't see it this way because when I was growing up, it was great. In my opinion, I liked it. And ever since, oh, it's just, it's just bad. It's just, I remember just saying NXT was the real pay-per-views and everything else after that wasn't. And then, man, how things just changed in five years. You get the network these days for like two reasons. That's the Rumble and Mania. Everything else, maybe SummerSlam on a good year. Yeah. Um, but it used I don't to care be, about takeover. takeovers. Used to I be mean, for takeovers. They used to be amazing. I'm, I mean, the only people left who are there that still I give a crap about from the old NXT are Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, and they're and probably not going to be there soon. Johnny's so. contract is coming up in a couple months. Johnny Wrestling. Oh, but I think that's all we have for today's uh, concerto. We went, we really went in on WWE there at the end. Yeah, they need to put on a show that's worth uh, giving praise to, and they can't do it, and they're doing everything to butcher it behind the scenes. That's what they get. I agree. But thank you for listening. We will hopefully be back in the studio on KCO2 soon. But if not, just keep watching our uh, podcast feed. Thank you. Any closing statements, Al? Um, as an angry Chiefs fan, Something needs to be done. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Have a great one.